What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of The Thinking Project. First, let's knock out all the formalities. If you're listening to this on Apple or Spotify, please hit that subscribe and check mark up in the right-hand corner. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you subscribe and hit that notification bell. It really helps out the show. And of course, if you want to keep watching this, uh, you can support the show by supporting our sponsors for the show or... You can sign up for the sales training and sales mastery course that I have. All those links will be in the description below. Let's get on to the guest. I had an amazing interview with Toby Larson, who is a doctor of sports psychology and an amazing trainer who's helped out hundreds of athletes and business professionals. We talked about everything from growth mindset to uh, how to show up every day and what success means. All of that coming soon. Make sure you stay tuned. And of course, thank you so much for listening. Please welcome Toby Larson. We're rolling, Toby. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Dalton. Yeah, absolutely. So how do you ensure that you're motivated in business? Motivation is such a crazy thing to talk about, but how do you know when you're motivated and how do you know how to stay motivated? Yeah. So for me, because I'm a doctor of psychology, I work a lot out of theory. And so there's a few theories that can help explain why motivation might be an issue for an individual business owner. Uh, one could be this theory called self-advocacy, which is kind of a, a theory around self-belief that you truly think that what you're going after is achievable by you. And so in that case, there's a, there's a few different sources that you're going to want to pull from to get that kind of efficacy. One is you want to pay attention to your past wins. You want to make sure you keep a list of those and you actually identify them and make them somewhat significant because that's going to feed a lot of your motivational fuel to keep going forward. Success brings success. Like it's, there's science behind it. And it's one of those things anecdotally, we know pretty well how you talk to yourself really matters. Now it's kind of it's kind of crazy though. You don't need to be always positive, but you do need to be action focused. It's okay to say today's going to be hard and I'm going to get through it by taking one meeting at a time. I know I'm going to get if well you've worked in sales. In sales, when I work with, uh, I, I've helped a couple real estate agents really launch their careers. Uh, one, one became uh, platinum level with Coldwell Bankers, and he actually got flown out wow. last year to their national convention. I didn't realize real estate agents had that type of thing going on. And uh, so Coldwell actually paid for his whole week in New York and airfare, business class airfare from San Francisco, all that. Um because he reached such a high sales level. And the way I helped him do that was we changed the goal from being about getting sales to being about getting contacts. And as any sales rep would know, yeah, getting contacts is really where you need to focus on. And, and just understand you're going to have your rate of conversion, but if you aren't having numbers of contacts, that rate of conversion is going to be hard to scale up. Right. And so so part of maintaining that motivation is, is really understanding how do you 
how do you make today about today as opposed to trying to trying to take on everything at once and mm -hmm. so that's so that self-talk going back to that you need to really make sure that your action focus is on the actions that you can take care of today that's going to keep you far more motivated if if we set a million dollar sales goal for the end of the year how, do we need to check in on that million dollar sales goal daily and beat ourselves up on that in january or do we need to say hey yeah i know i've got a lot of work to do so i'm what's today's work because ultimately you want to feel accomplishment on a daily basis and so it's making sure that you're setting up for yourself a, a, a just a daily standard of of what that what works for accomplishment for me for this business and, and then talk to yourself in a way that's really um, um, keeping you focused on what you need to get done today and keeping an action focused. So it's okay if you're, hey, yeah, you're going to, th this is going to be a whole bunch of rejections today. And I'm cool with that. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. that type of self-talk. Yeah. Learning how to, how to interpret how your body feels. I mean, we get those moments where we get stressed out. And maybe we start to feel the sweat on our upper lip and we, or yeah. wherever you sweat. For me, it's the upper lip. For a lot of people, they actually benefit because it's above the eyebrows, which I think is right. easier to deal with. Yeah, that's good. That's funny. But, and when I feel it, I just tell myself, oh, I'm warm. I'm hot. Yeah. As opposed to like interpreting that sweat as being nerves. And then, oh, if, if I'm having nerves, now there's something that's risky to me or dangerous to me mm. well that's mm. that's gonna that's gonna send me down the wrong path where if i can just yeah oh i'm sweaty well i guess a long <laughs> sleeve was the wrong choice okay well we're gonna go anyway yeah uh, that's, that's kind of like that reframe in your mind of like not nerves but like just telling yourself like i'm just hot or whatever like in this case right exactly exactly wow, just that's cool explaining it in a way that's beneficial for you and actually is logical as well. And then under having a model to follow. Uh, if you're, when I started out as being a, a sports psychology consultant with athletes, I really didn't have a model to follow. So uh, but my first day walking into American Kickboxing Academy with one of the, with my first client uh, that I worked with there, he, I, I go in, I, I sit next to, Javier Mendez, who's one of the founders, owner of AKA and being green, I just tell him, Hey, you know, I'm a sports psychology consultant. I could, I could do a lot of things for you down here. Uh, Luke Rockhold sitting right next to him. Luke stands up and he goes, if anybody needs you, they don't belong here. And I was like, Oh, wow. <laughs> I just got kicked in the head by the future world champion is kind of how it Well, felt. Luke Rockhold can suck it, dude. I don't like that guy as a, <laughs> yeah. as a person. So he could probably kick my ass, but I still don't like him. You know, it's, <laughs> he, he has a persona that he, he, he gets that response from people. But I'm going to tell you, he is one of the most incredible teammates I've ever met. That guy will. Really? Yeah. It's if you're on his team, if you're part of his team, uh, at team aka he actually uh he's done a lot of things for a lot of the guys there either helping them with various training things or he's actually made calls to sponsors for people um wow 
Yeah, he's actually. Right, a really, I guess that's really... my visceral response. I guess that's my uh, humility moment because I'm sure he. Yeah, I guess you're right. He probably is a good guy. I just don't like in the in the public. You know what I mean? When you see him on the UFC, I'm like, what the freak, man? Why are you being like that? But I guess I guess if you're helping out your homies, I guess that's all that counts. So, yeah, Luke's the guy that if you're on the wrong side of, yeah, he's <laughs> that's that's not that's not fun. He's he can uh, he can definitely uh, yeah. Do it up like the best of them, for sure. Right, right. That's crazy. But, so uh, tell us a little bit about your story, Toby. Um, doctor of psychology, right? You you work with professional athletes. Obviously, we you know we just mentioned a couple of the people that you've uh, been in proximity to, as far as like uh, the UFC. Uh, you know, we talked. We you know we met at lunch a few uh, weeks ago, and you were talking about the UFC. But but tell us just how you got to this point, man. How how did you get here, and what made you want to choose psychology, all that good stuff. Yeah. So actually early, early on, uh, back in the late nineties, I moved out to San Francisco and started working in tech. So I actually have a background in, in, uh, enterprise software. And when the, yeah, it was, I was working for EDS, uh, electronic data systems. They don't, all the companies I work for don't exist anymore as, uh, as I guess is kind of typical in tech. Twenty years later, they're not around, but the um, <laughs> cycles, right? But the so, so in the in two thousand two, I got uh, I got laid off from that position, and I had a math degree, and started or I had a math teaching degree, and so I started teaching math again, and that or for the first time actually, and started coaching football and track, and I just. I fell in love with the coaching side of things. That was uh, just a passion of mine. And so I wanted to figure out how could I, how could I make my job less time in the classroom and more time on the field and went back and got my master's in kinesiology as a way to accomplish that. Tried to get started in college golf. Unfortunately, college golf, uh, the NCAA regulates the number of coaches that a college golf team can have. And so if they already have four coaches, they can't take on a fifth. Every team already wow. had all four coaches. All, all 16 <laughs> teams in the Bay Area had all four coaches. So it was pretty clear that that runway was, was gone instantly. Like essentially the first week of grad school, I realized, yeah, there's no way of getting in on this. After about the first month and a half of grad school, I'd read my sports psychology book cover to cover everything did the homework problems asked my uh asked my instructor is she had the answer guys she's like there's no answer guide for this I'm like well why are there questions in the book <laughs> but uh <laughs> i mean having been a math teacher <laughs> right the uh so, so whoever wrote the book i don't know if they actually ever had the answers to their questions but uh, <laughs> it was anyway right so I realized that, uh, but I realized pretty quick as part of the sports psychology book was uh, the whole thing on aptitude. And I realized, wow, if you're this into this, there's an aptitude here worth pursuing. Fortunately, as I was coming home one day, just randomly uh, bumped into a former student and athlete of mine at the grocery store. He was getting Adam Piccolotti. He was getting ready for his first fight for his pro debut. And I said, Hey, I'm doing the sports psychology class would you want to see if this stuff works for you? And he said, yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. 
So we started working for, gosh, the next uh, six months, just weekly meeting in my living room and just doing sports psychology and uh, doing basically going through the textbook and giving them every single intervention that I had. And it, he, he propelled pretty quick. He went, uh, he ended up, yeah, he ended up going, I think it was eight and or nine and I uh, made it into Bellator, made it onto, onto the TV card. I, uh, and then, you know, and then it's athletics. So we want to win every single fight and that just doesn't happen. So, but he's had a great career since. Uh, and mm-hmm. then he's the one who actually brought me down to AK who got me into American kickboxing Academy. And because I was working with a fighter who was on the rise and people were seeing him win, they, they gave me the chance there as well. And I kind of became the resident sports sports psychologist for, uh, for American kickboxing. Yeah, that's crazy. And so let me talk real quick about, Oh, go okay. Ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go I ahead. Gonna, so I'm not supposed to say I'm a psychologist because I'm not licensed to do clinical mental health work. So that's why I kind of dance around that word. Oh. Just so people are like, <laughs> why don't you just call yourself a psychologist? It's like, well, cause the state of Utah has some rules around that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have to, you have to be licensed to, to have the word psychology in your title or whatever. Yeah. It's, it's like, yeah. Right. It's just a funky, I mean, I get it, but I don't know. It's just a really fun. Don't, I mean, don't get me started on all that political stuff, but (laughs) I will just say I met the president (laughs) of the American psychological association uh, when I was at the anti-sigma summit for the Huntsman Institute. Uh, Yeah. And he said, you're a psychologist. In my mind, I would call you a psychologist. So, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, if you got all of it there, I, yeah, and then you're just missing whatever, you know, paid thing they make you do. That that's crazy though. So, my question is when you're going through these athletes, right? And you're talking to them about the psycho the, you know, the psychology behind the the fight. What's that like? Yeah. So a lot of it's really making sure that their preparation is what it should be. And so that, that took a, that took some experience to really understand when they're telling me the the right thing or when they're telling me something that they want me to believe. And, and that's how I got, I, I, I realized really quick, I gotta, I gotta also work with the coaches and I kind of need to take more of a, 360 degree perspective on these athletes that I'm working with. When you say preparation, are you talking about like actual physical preparation? Like if you're, if you're in a fight, you're sparring, you're, you know, you got jujitsu one day, you got boxing one day, you got, you know, weights and whatever one day. So are you talking about like a big piece of the, the psychology is what you're doing to prep for the fight. Absolutely. So at, at AK, our training schedule, yeah. So our training schedule, we did MMA on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on Tuesdays, we did wrestling. And I'll tell you, anybody who became a world champ, they never missed Tuesday. Like, Oh yeah, that of course. Yeah. That that's huge. Wrestling. And then re- nobody knows this, but wrestling is the, one of the OG, uh, like 
OG combat sports. Like I wrestled for like 13 or 14 years. I mean, yeah, wrestling. And then, and you look at almost every one of the champions right now and they're all wrestlers with the exception oh, of a couple, sure. but, but the good ones and, and the ones we know are all wrestlers. So yeah, but keep going to your point. Go ahead. Oh yeah. No, I mean, Cormier was, uh, he was a two-time Olympian. Uh, Kane Velasquez, he was, gosh, I don't know how many times he was an, an All-American, right? All the, Khabib is just wrestling as a, wrestling embodied in a human is what Khabib is. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree with you. But that's interesting that, you know, the first thing that you look at when you're looking at the mind of somebody and how they're going to, how, how their mind is going to do in, in an event you look at how they're actually prepare, physically preparing for that event. I think that's super interesting because in business, people think it's just a mindset thing. Like I have to think, but you know, we don't, we, at least not a lot of the mindset, you know, whatever bullshit mindset coach, I don't know what that means, but like, you know what I mean? But when you look at some of these guys and what they're saying, guys and girls and what they're saying, you know, it's just like how you think, but it's really, but what you're saying is it's really, it really starts with, or at least should, one of the things should be to start with like, how are you actually preparing and what are you actually doing to get ready to show up to something, right? Um, like, how are you practicing? And, uh, and that's, that's interesting because it's, it's confidence is about like experience and competence and you don't get that from thinking pretty thoughts, right? Correct. Correct. And the side that I was on was how are they mentally showing up for that practice? So one of the topics, yeah. So yeah. one of the topics I, I've, I've deep, I, I've taken deep dives into is, is the whole, <laughs> the whole concept of deliberate practice. And so that's mm -hmm. Ooh, yeah. Anders Ericsson was the kind of the main thing about that. And then you might have heard about it on uh, uh, the the um, was the Malcolm Gladwell book, um, talent the talent equation or talent is and everything. I can't remember his book title, but he, he created the 10,000 hour rule. It's not 10,000 hours that matters. What matters is that your preparation is intentional and that part of what matters in preparation is how you are in that preparation as well. So you, I, I know from past podcasts, you've talked about how you do, you've done sales training, do sales training. Rehearse, you need to rehearse before you go out and see that first customer, right? Now, if I'm rehearsing with my mindset being like, uh, I'm just going through the motions for you. It's like, you feel like I, if I'm just doing the rehearsal to check a box, it's not going to be so good. But if I'm, if I'm incorporating some of the mental skills like visualization, uh, you know, the, the, the part of goal setting that matters, which is the, I'm, I'm taking this goal from some high level achievement and distilling it down to a daily activity that I need to do to make progress towards that goal. You know, now you're starting to really establish both mentally and physically how to enter into the practice environment in a way that's going to create learning in a way that's going to create advancement. We can do anything over time and get to above a novice level, but most of us want to become experts. So experts becomes about that interstate 
that inner condition you come into practice with. So because um, it just kind of all in, all encompasses, right? Like, how are you showing up to practice? How are you, you know, what's your mind like? Um, yeah, that that's interesting. So when you were doing this, these trainings with athletes, um, you incorporated like their coaches into this so that you could really see like every day. So let's say somebody was like, I don't know, shown up every day, just like totally defeated and like going through, maybe they didn't have confidence in, them, in themselves or whatever. Like, how did you address that? Yeah. So I had one athlete and that his problem wasn't really coming in dejected. It was just, he was showing up just cause he felt showing up to practice was enough. But then he wasn't, he wasn't taking on challenging sparring partners. He was taking on sparring partners that everybody knew he was better than. And so, right. So the challenge is low. How are you going to grow without challenge? And what are you doing if you're going to practice with the intention to win every round? Like, why are you doing that? Like we know any, any black belt in jujitsu who runs a gym will probably tell you if you are not tapping, you're not learning. And that was the mentality that I tried to build in a lot of these fighters was practice is where you want to be exposed. Right. In the cage of and course. performance is where you want to have all of those weaknesses already addressed. Right. I had a wrestling coach that um, would always say, like, if you're not winning practice, you won't win matches. Like, if you're not winning in here. And then he would talk about how, like, nothing in the room could hurt you. Like, you know, losing in the room can't hurt you. Losing to your, your homies on the mat can't hurt you. But that, uh, but that if but that if you could consistently win and, and whatever that meant, right? Like, and, and that's funny because like when you're winning in practice, that looks a lot different than winning outside. It doesn't winning in practice doesn't necessarily mean you, you uh, beat everybody. Right. Because surely you want to like, you know, have some challenges like you were talking about, but winning in practice would mean like tapping a lot. I mean, for jujitsu and wrestling, it was, you know, getting pinned or getting taken down or something like that. And you just, but learning from that and, and less and less frequent and things like that. Um, yeah, it, that that's cool. I like that. Exactly. And it, and it brings another thing for that, that business owner that's trying to maintain their motivation. You need to develop. So Carol Dweck mindset was one of the big books back in the day and all about how, uh, her her book was more centered around parenting and how you need to tell your kids, praise your kids for effort as opposed to praising them for being smart or giving them some sort of, uh, some sort of uncontrollable aspect to that praise. And yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, so as a business owner, it's really important to be more about, expanding your capacity and capabilities than being better than competitors. If you're caught up in being better at competitors, that's, that's going to be demotivating because you have zero control over them. And then it's probably going to put you in a place where you're, 
you're cheering against them. Well, now you're just in a negative tone and, and yeah, why, why are you so negative yeah. all the time? Well, cause you set up your life <laughs> to be that way. Of course you're going to be negative. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Well, yeah. And of course it's like real winners know they're the competition's not them. It's you, you know, and, uh, and, and every, I think, I think we all know that. So here's my question. How do you balance? Because like I'm in sales, you have small business owners listening. You have people who are struggling with this idea that I'm about to toss to you. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on it um, because you've had brilliant thoughts, thoughts so far. How do you balance the idea of results with the idea of effort, right? Because like in sales, right? Like I don't get paid for effort. Like it has to be there for sure, but I don't get paid <laughs> to try really, really hard. I get paid to like actually get shit done. Right. So how do you balance this from, from not leaning so much on the results and, but not also, but not like being, you know, complacent in your effort, like in just trying hard. That And so one of the, one of the important things to realize when we're truly in a growth mindset, when we are, are working towards mastery, Part of that's evaluating is our effort paying off? That's a so I would, if I were managing a sales group, I would absolutely reward effort in a way that signifies to all those sales rep, all those sales reps that it's not just effort, it's that you are actively trying to improve your effort as well. And you use the results to determine was that effort well spent. So if you, so maybe as a sales rep, it's that first three minutes you're trying to get better at. And so if you're putting effort there, that effort should look like I'm first off, I'm getting a lot of new introductions. So I'm, I'm getting to practice that first three to five minutes of creating rapport with the customer quickly. And then what I'm seeing as a manager and what you're doing as a sales rep is you're, you're modifying the way you are those first three to five minutes every single time. And maybe you're doing some practice. Maybe you're drilling in front of your web camera so you can just see yourself back, whatever it is, but I'm seeing you actively doing that. Because then I know at some point your numbers are going to go up. And when they go up, then I want to say, hey, what, what have you changed? Because it seems like even you've created some growth here. This is really good. I think you're on to something. So then you want to encourage that effort. As the sales rep yourself, you want to notice, oh, my numbers are going up. What is it that I modified that's working? And then what's the next thing to modify? So I got that first five minutes down. Now it's something at the closing table that I need to work on. And, and I like that. So, so just gauging your effort to see if you're actually getting the results because, because yeah, you can't like keep, you know, beating your head against the wall and calling it effort, right? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Doing the same so, thing over and over, even if you're failing is really trying to get, <laughs> it's, it's seeking psychological comfort, which, yeah. Yeah. If you're, if you're in your comfort zone, you're not in your growth zone. 
It just yeah, it is yeah. what it is. But that's a good way. That's a good way to look at balancing um, results and effort, right? You you definitely need because yeah, it's it's always a tough one to explain to people. Like listen, like you know, in sales or like business, like yes, uh, making phone calls is monotonous. Uh, and if you know what I mean, but like I've never met a successful business person or salesperson who only makes one phone call a day, right? So you do need like the effort of reaching out and outbound. Uh, but if making a hundred phone calls isn't the best thing to do in your niche or industry, and we need to send emails or we actually need to get boots on the ground or we need to do whatever, right? Like we can change the effort, but the effort doesn't diminish either. Right. Exactly. So yeah. I'm, I'm doing a bit of learning sales myself as I've been <laughs> yeah. trying to build up my practice. I actually had yeah. a, had a sales call I went to with contract in hand to present a deal. I, I showed up at the business and the owner I was supposed to meet with, he actually had dipped out five minutes before I got there. Oh, no. I confirmed in the morning. I was like, and then, yeah, I just, I was like, what the heck is this? Like, this is weird. Um, and and so when they, when the people at his company were like, oh, he's, he's off at this place. So he's not going to be back, you know, sent the text, sent the call, no response on any of those. As I was driving back to my office, feeling dejected, I'm like, Hey, wait, th this isn't like, let's not deal with it this way. Let's, I decided, let's stop. I decided for myself, I'm going to stop and try to cold call uh, all the sales managers at all the auto dealerships between uh basically be, yeah between sandy and uh draper and i learned a couple things first off i don't want to sell cars ever because that uh they there is no money in uh development for sales reps but what i what i decided was hey let's let's work on one part of this and let's just go get a whole bunch of reps in uh, knowing that it was going to be a high, a high likelihood of getting a whole bunch of no's, but I thought let's get no's that actually are with a reason. And sure enough, by the third dealership, I, I was being told that, you know, Ford does not provide money for this. Uh, neither does Mercedes, neither does Chevrolet, nor Honda, nor Kia. So, at that point, I realized, okay, this has been enough learning for the day, and and uh, bounce from going door to door to the to the the auto dealerships. But that's that's one way where I show you know, for myself. I I decided to put in some deliberate practice and put in some effort. The outcome wasn't the fo the outcome. I actually achieved the outcome. I set the outcome at something that was important, which is. If you're going to get a no, get a no that's actually meaningful. Don't get a, a no that's just a ghost. Yeah, right. Well, you know, it's funny, Toby. I was in the car industry forever. And I can tell you that what you're dealing with is true. <laughs> they don't pay for outside training. Even from, I mean, I take that back. They do pay for outside training, but it's very, very rare, extremely rare. And usually it's only like car specific, like somebody who's been in the car business 
because uh, like I went back and tried to do like car sales training and I was like, and I've been in it forever. And I, and I got one or two little ones. Um, but then just realized like, uh, yeah, it's just the, the car world is, is very, the auto sales world is very, is very strange. <laughs> it was, if, especially if you're not from it. So yes, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> they're wild dude, but good for you for going up there though. Oh, it was fun. I mean, it was after the, yeah. the after the third kind of slam door in your face. No, it was like, hey, this is good practice, though. Like, let's just yeah. keep on going. Yeah, because if a car guy can tell you no, you can take any no after that. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's that's funny, dude. I love I love that. Um, so so tell tell me tell me a little bit more about um how you prepare your mind to get in, to, to go to that, that, that space of encouragement. And like, you know, you snapped out of it and you were like, dude, this guy just ghosted me. I know he's, you know, I know he's deliberately ghosting me. Right. Cause I confirmed it, which is a horrible feeling. I hate that feeling. Um, but then you were like, you know what? No, I'm going to snap out of it. I'm going to go do some cold calls. I'm going to like keep going. Right. How do you train your mind to snap out of those decisions? Because like, it's, I've always described it as like, you're almost too smart for your own good. Cause you get in those situations, you're like, I know I should be doing this, but I want to feel shitty right now or whatever, you know? So how do you prepare your mind to be like, I'm going to get in a bad spot and then I'm going to pull myself out of it. And then I need really actually need to come out of it. Yeah. This is where I have an unfair advantage of being a, being so deep in the sports psychology. One of the, one of the most important things is how we explain failure and success to ourselves. And what's really key to that is if we can explain failure and success as being personally controllable, it allows us to realize that both failures and successes are merely milestones. They, they don't need to be destinations. They're just part of this ongoing journey that we're, that we're on towards some greater, bigger goal that we're shooting for. I mean, and so I knew after being, after being ghosted, yeah, I felt like I got kicked in the stomach and it hurt. And that's why I knew, wait, I'm feeling this. So how am I explaining this? Is this a problem with me? Well, it's, it's a problem with the approach. And so let's try to dial in the approach more. I got curious as opposed to getting frustrated. That's probably really where I shifted my emotion was from frustration to curiosity. Started asking why and made sure those whys were process related, not anything uh, personal or fixed. And that, so that was the other big change I took in that moment. Okay, now where do I apply this to? Luckily, I had free time in my schedule because the sales call I was on ended in about 10 minutes as opposed to being an hour. And I realized, okay, what's a place where I can really go uh, try to try to understand my process a little bit deeper? Where can I get immediate feedback? And I saw the auto dealerships as a place where, yeah, you're, you're probably going to get immediate feedback. And it was like two o'clock on a Tuesday or Wednesday. So 
I knew the auto dealerships weren't that busy. I wasn't coming in at a time where I was taken away from them. They, it, it was one of those times where you walk in, you're walking on the lot and there's nobody coming up to you. <laughs> and so I knew it was a low, a low hour. So I had time. So I got to actually talk to a lot of sales managers, which was great too, because they was neat about them is I presented myself and what I did. And then they were just straight up honest with their feedback there. They just said, look, what you do sounds interesting, but this, this just, I don't think this is for the auto industry. And it was cool. They were actually giving me some micro mentorship, which I'm going to pay for it. There, there's a lot of, we could talk, well, you and I will talk about it afterwards. There's just a ton of ego in that industry. And uh, a lot of it stems from the fact that like almost everybody in the car industry, excuse me, let me rephrase that. Almost nobody in the car industry has a degree, but they, but they all have the potential to make six figures. Right. And many of them do. And that, if you ever walk into a sales meeting, that's probably one of the first things you'll hear. You'll hear somebody in a car sales training meeting go, none of us have a degree and look who, how much money we're making. You know, here's something to that effect. And so your man, your ego gets lifted right there. Cause you're like, yeah, I'm not like these other guys who had to do this crap. And, uh, and, uh, <laughs> it's wild, dude. It's wild, but oh, for sure. They need it. They absolutely. If you're a salesperson, you need this, what you got, Toby, for sure. But what you just said has inspired me to go back and, and try to test that failure again, but see if I can get a little further in the in the discussions with them because yeah, yeah knowing that most likely so I didn't there you go. What what did I what do I need to do better on the procedure next time? I need to yeah. understand the person I'm pitching to a little bit better. I need to realize sure. that they probably don't have a degree and they're making a lot of money so that they yeah there's a huge competency there that, or, or competency belief that's, I need to build upon, not challenge. And maybe my style is challenging that. So, yeah, right. right? Oh, mindset yeah. is, Hey, I made a mistake. Yeah. I, I might've made a mistake. So let's go see if, if that was, if that was the mistake, let's see if that's something yeah. I can, I can change. And, and maybe it, you know, it, it might not land me a car dealership to work with, but Sure. It probably will have effect in other situations. Yeah. So you've said the term growth mindset a few times. Uh, that to me has always been like a, a buzzword that people use. I mean, we all, cause we kind of know what it means, but if you throw growth mindset and uh, value and culture into a LinkedIn post, it's probably going to go viral <laughs> and hit like, you know, a million, a million impressions because people just like to hear those words. And I would love for you to kind of define that, walk us through what it means to have a growth mindset in, especially in the hard times. Absolutely. So fundamentally a growth mindset is the desire to master whatever it is that you're trying to uh, build as a skill, as an accomplishment, right? So it's the accomplishment is, is the outcome mm -hmm. and that's great, but once again, if you want to sell, if you want to make a hundred million in sales this year for your SaaS system, 
Mm -hmm. that's not what you want to check in on every hour. How much closer am am I to a hundred million? Instead, you want to turn that into, okay, if, if I'm going to, if that's kind of the target, if that's what I need to have, what are the skills that will enable me to reach that target? So growth mindset, I'm focusing on the skills I need in order to achieve the greater accomplishments I hope to achieve in life. Now those skills have to be things that I actually want to master. Mm -hmm. I want to be great at listening in sales meetings, or I want to be, I want to really master uh, active listening to be a way better sales rep Mm -hmm. as an example. Uh, So it's, so it's looking at those skills and then really taking a mastery approach on those skills. So mastery approach means I'm being very deliberate in my pra- in how I practice. Mm-hmm. I'm intentionally trying to change certain aspects of my approach and I'm mm-hmm. creating. So, so a growth mindset, I'm <laughs> going to be really looking at how do I create daily exercises that are going to build myself towards mastery. And not be worried about, are other people better than me? How close am I getting to this goal? All that stuff can be part of the feedback. Are other people, do other people have a process that works better than mine? Maybe I need to look at that process. Growth mindset doesn't come with ego. So I'm able to learn from others, right? Um, Yeah, I think probably a better term is uh, this psychology ends up getting riddled with marketing speak and it's it's unfortunate because it uh takes away from the psychology itself which is a lot of benefit in it and so i think probably a better term than growth mindset is an authentic pursuit towards mastery and that's you know yeah i like that i i mean i can totally I can totally see how that comes up and how it, and how it works there. And, you know, it, to me, when you're talking about like the, the, the mindset and, and like the psychology of things, um, I really, I really, I really enjoy that because getting into your own mind, getting into, you know, how you navigate yourself, like that's a big one for, especially, especially to, to, um, you know, succeed in, in anything, right? Like it sales is one of those things too, like in business, right? Sales and business is one of those things where like you can get beat up every day. Um, and, and so to me, like, you know, it's not about the psychology of the customers, about the psychology of yourself for me a lot of the time, because it's like, if you can't weather those storms, you're probably not going to make it. And, and, and sales and business is like, isn't for everybody. And I think that's fine. You know, if it's not for you, like, that's cool. Or if you have your own unique way of doing it, that helps you like know yourself and like get through these things because you know yourself that like that, uh, you're way better off. That's the, uh, self mastery is really where yeah. that that's a goal everybody should have in some aspect in their life. And it doesn't need to be all aspects of your life all the time, too. I think that's where, I mean, you probably know people that have morning routines that you hear and are just like, wow, I I, I couldn't do that for a day, let alone 
you've been doing that for a year. That's that's remarkable. It's amazing. Yeah, like it, it, and so then it becomes like, why? Well, why? Why is it that way? Why are you doing it? Like, what's what's the kind of what's the greater purpose you're shooting for? And if it's you know, I mean, I'm not saying having elaborate morning routines is terrible or a bad way to live. It's but it should work for you. It should be functional and functional means that it's, it's creating benefit in your life in a meaningful way. I really enjoyed uh, talking with you and learning all these really awesome things and, and tell everybody where they can follow you, where they can find your services and all that good stuff. Yeah. So I work out of Aspen Valley consulting, Aspen Valley wellness. And I, uh, I gave you the link to the website. It's blue aspenwellness.org. Yeah. I'm also on LinkedIn as Toby Larson, EDDMS, I think is how, it, <laughs> how the letters come out. I was told, put the letters on your profile. They're important. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I'll, I'm I'll also, have all of that in the description boss. Yeah. I'm on Instagram at, at fitmindtraining. That's oh nice. So when I was uh, I I I don't hold any certifications currently, but I was certified with uh, ASP and one with the American Association or the Association of Applied Sports Psychology. Uh-huh. Uh, I was a certified mental performance coach, and then it just there's certain things that you don't need to spend money on, and that was kind of one of those things that I realized yeah. is uh, an expense and not a it was a liability, not an asset. So, I, but uh, but yeah. I follow their uh, their ethical guidelines. So the reason I bring this up, if you go to the tags, you can see a lot of the fighter, a lot of my fight pictures. Uh, yeah. I try not to put a lot of those up when I was active because it just it wasn't a good ethic. It wasn't a it, it wasn't a professional sure. way to to work at that point in time. <laughs> yeah, I hear you, dude. That's crazy. All right. Well, thank you so much, Toby. No, thank you. This has been great. Uh, what? How quick time goes by. This is a yeah. really fun conversation. <laughs> thank you so much. For real.